today with Terry, not Joan Rutledge, who is the incoming head of school for now remind me the full name of your school. Yeah, the the name of my school is the Harbor School and it's on Vashon Island, Washington, which is a small island right across from downtown Seattle. So it's rural, but we're about 20 minutes away from downtown Seattle. And it's a K through eight school, correct? It is. It's a K through eight school. We serve, um, we serve about 100 kids on two small campuses. It's really a small community school. And what drew you to this school? Yeah, the, it was kind of an interesting journey. I was at the same school in Seattle for about 12 years. And when I started at that school, I loved everything about this school. I loved that it had a whole child philosophy. It was a huge building that looked like Hogwarts. Um, I loved the families and the kids and I taught there for several years. And then a few years ago, I switched to administration and I became the director of curriculum and instruction. And I, I began to see things a little bit differently. Um, the school mission was focused on whole child, but all of the academic initiatives I was being asked to work on were really focused on raising test scores and increasing student achievement, um, which didn't feel consistent with the whole child messaging I'd felt at the teacher level. Um, and I really feel like there was a narrow view of student achievement there that was linked to student grades. And... Mm -hmm. It really, it started to get, I started to get really cynical. I had parents coming into my office all the time to complain about faculty or to demand justice if their students didn't get high enough test scores. Mm -hmm. um, parents actually, even saying it in a really transactional way, we're paying this much money and my child's mm. test scores are still this. And that really, I just, I didn't like that at all. And um, on top of the administrative and the parent pressure, talking about grades and student achievement, I saw our students just becoming miserable. Um, mm -hmm. More and more students were complaining to the counselor, depression, anxiety. So many students were freaking out about there's so much homework. I feel like I can never get it done. Kids totally paralyzed from doing a good job because they were so afraid of a grade they were going to get that they wouldn't try an assignment. Um, I remember with the fourth grade teachers, I went in to do to assist them with um a genius hour type project where the kids could mm -hmm. really come up with their own project. And we were hoping to break the kids out of that where they were not stuck in this, like, Oh my God, I just have to get an A and it has to be perfect. And we had kids just completely in tears because they were so afraid of it mm -hmm. because it wasn't structured and predictable in a way to get a good grade. So it really, um, that just wasn't feeling good for me anymore. And I really started questioning what's the purpose of independent schools um, why are we doing this? We're pushing kids so hard. And it was just feeling really terrible. Um, and so I started looking for different positions and really wondering even if independent schools were the right place for that. Mm -hmm. But I've been in independent schools for so long that it was hard to think of where I could go. And I found the job posting for the Harbor School and started reading about their program. And it's really small. It's a really young school. It's only been around for 25 years. So it's really in the early stages of their program. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved a lot of what I saw there. They, so they have about, about 100 kids and they have about 15 kids to a grade, but the kids actually get to move around. So the kids go to whatever math class is the right math class for them. Mm. Um, and it's really small, it's really individualized. So kids can really work at their own level. And teachers really 
really work to get to know the kids and facilitate their education. It's, it's, it's very progressive. It's very student driven. But I think what struck me the most is there are no grades at all. Wow. Wow. And they don't even grade tests. And even in the grade... upper grades, those middle school grades? No, wow. they have no grades. It is. It's incredible. So, and I was so curious about that. So I was like, I don't even get that. Like, what does that look like? And part of me was like moving away from the school where I'm like, well, I hate grades. But then there's the question, <laughs> but what do you do if you don't have grades? <laughs> like, right, right. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and so it was so interesting getting to talk to the teachers because, um, they do summative assessments, but because class sizes are small and they do have kids working independently, when they do a summative assessment, so say you're, I mean, eighth graders can go up through eighth grade geometry, say for math. So they don't get behind and the kids do well when they go to high school, but instead of having a grade on a summative assessment, they just meet with the teacher and go over their errors. Mm. And they think about like, wow, do you need to take a step back on the next chapter and do some review here? Are you ready mm. to push ahead to something new? So it always has more of a conferring vibe than, wow. oh my gosh, this is the grade. Mm -hmm. And the teachers use that data then to maybe let the kids work in small groups. If there's certain, if there's a small group of kids who didn't get a skill, they'll remediate to that group. Um, but it's more about finding here's where you are right now. And here's where you need to go next. Mm -hmm. And it's so supported. And I just loved that. Um, this last spring at my old school, when we shifted to remote learning, mm -hmm. and I already knew I was leaving. I already had a foot out the door, but I, I had gotten really cynical at this school. And we were working on our grading policy for COVID-19. And the state guidance, one of the things the state guidance said was do no harm mm -hmm. in your grading policy, mm -hmm. which... Honestly, that should always be your grading policy. Right. Um, <laughs> our grades, is that what's, serving? What's your alternative? Do harm? That's, right. Right. Do harm. Like, I, I, I don't know how that supports learning if you're harming a kid through a grading system or an mm -hmm. assessment system, um, standardized tests. So we're sitting in this faculty meeting and I had worked with the middle school director to come up with a new policy and our policy based on that tenet of do no harm was basically like, you can get an A or we were debating doing pass fail or saying you can, you're, you can maintain or improve your grade mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. maybe we just don't want to do grades. And all of the teachers were like, if we don't have formal grades, what's going to motivate our students? And I was right. just thinking parents are paying all this money for this great education. And if all that is motivating our kids is grades. We've totally failed. Like our schools failed if that's the only thing motivating mm -hmm. our students. Mm -hmm. And so it was really, um, so I've loved getting to know the teachers at my new school and I'm so excited to support their program. I I'm sure it's not perfect. I'm sure I'm going to find things that are challenging, that mm -hmm. are sticky, that don't make sense because it is tricky. The kids need to go on to high school and college. Right. So there's a level of academic preparation that they need. Um, but yeah, they've totally removed grades from the equation and focused it on um, personal feedback and really just mm -hmm. being a coach. And I think, I just think that's so much healthier for kids and the kids there seem really engaged and there's some personal responsibility. Um, the kids work with individual teachers. Every kid has an advisor and the advisors work. So if a kid's, you know, struggling in one class, they would work with that individual teacher. But if a kid's mm -hmm. doing poorly in everything, 
that's more of a, an advisor conversation. And then the advisors working with the parents, the head of school and trying to find out why is this kid really struggling more holistically? Mm -hmm. I just think is a good approach. Um, They don't get a traditional report card at all. Mm -hmm. They get three narratives a year that get sent Mm -hmm. home talking and they're, they partner with the teacher to come up with that narrative and talk about where they've been and where they're going. I've heard, and I don't know this yet, that our kids do fine when they go to high school. I'm curious Mm -hmm. about what type of data the school collects Mm -hmm. to verify Mm -hmm. that because it sounds awesome, but I want, I'm, I'm a little bit data driven. I want some sort of measures so that I know the kids are succeeding. Um, the local high school, there's only one high school on our Island, which is a public school. So about 60% of our kids go to that school. And then some of the kids take a ferry to Seattle and go to some of the independent schools in Seattle. And I've heard that they do well, but again, I'll be curious what kind of metrics I can find Mm -hmm. to verify that and explore where they're doing well and maybe where they're not doing as well. But I don't know. I'm excited about it. I'm just excited for a new model of doing things. I was so burnt out on the Mm -hmm. the testing and the grades, especially the parents talking about how much they pay in the test scores. I was kind of low-key trolling some of the parents last year because I had so many parents demanding better test scores that I printed out some of the articles about the parents who went to jail for um, paying their way (laughs) into Berkeley. And I just had those out on the coffee table in my office. (laughs) Just sort of a, what am I reading right now? Here's what I'm reading. Like, huh, wow, I can't believe that article's sitting there. Because it was so absurd to me that that was like the whole focus of this private school education, this independent school. So I hope, we'll see. I'm really really curious at my new school. I feel like it really philosophically aligns with where Mm -hmm. I'm at and where I was headed in school. So I was really excited about it. Mm -hmm. I think um, I might just be in a honeymoon phase because it's a brand new school, but I'm so excited. The work I was doing at my other school, I just felt like I was working toward things that I didn't really believe in. And it was Mm -hmm. exhausting. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I can meet with the teachers and I could work so much more because I'm actually genuinely believe in it and feel like that might actually be good for kids. Well, and it sounds like what I'm hearing is that there was a mission disconnect at your previous school and your sense is that this current school has a much better fit to what's happening in the classroom yeah. and the mission. Yeah, I think so. And I think they're actually living out their mission. I think Mm -hmm. my former school, I think they had a mission that sounded like a good mission, but I don't think they, the, the curriculum, they weren't living the mission. And, you know, I chose the school as a teacher for that mission. And then as you start to see that they're not living the mission, it starts to, Mm -hmm. it, it just, it doesn't feel as good after a while. What did you learn switching into admin? And even though the school that you're at is, is no longer that good fit in terms of your own sense of leadership, that's something you really want to now hit the ground running with those ideas in place. Yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways um, in leadership was my, so my former head of school, who was my boss at my last job, he really was driving academic initiatives and school initiatives based on parent feedback Mm. and wasn't really listening to teachers. And then I was in the uncomfortable position of having to then ask teachers to pivot and respond to initiatives and ideas that were coming from the top down or coming from parents who aren't child development experts or pedagogy experts. And I think 
it made it really hard and it made my relationship with faculty really difficult. And I had directives I had to follow. So I wasn't totally free to just do what I wanted. But I feel like that experience has made me think um, coming into this role, I, I want to be authoritative at times, but I want to center faculty voice so much more than was centered in my last school. I think faculty mm. are the ones working with the kids every day that they see what's happening in the classroom every day and they should be driving more of the change or student interests should be driving some of the change. Um, but again, faculty are the ones who are gonna be seeing and experiencing that in real time. And so I really wanna center that perspective more than at my last school. I think the other, the other thing I learned about is transparency and trust. Mm -hmm. And I think frequently the administrative team at my last school would do something because a big donor was pushing for something or some particularly loud parent voices were pushing something and faculty would be asked to respond and have no understanding of why they were being asked to do something. And there was just a lack of transparency about that administrative process. And there was mm -hmm. just trust was totally eroded. There was no trust mm -hmm. between the administration and the faculty. And I think that made for a really toxic environment. And I think it's so important when I think about establishing relationships with this new faculty, that it's so important for me to be transparent. And there may be times when I have to do something based on something that isn't perfect or ideal, but to at least be transparent about that as much as I can um, so that faculty understands where things are coming from. Well, especially in this moment, I would imagine a small school and elementary yeah. school finances have to be a tricky one. So how have you navigated yes. that with being honest with faculty, but also still being, being motivating and being mission centered? Yeah. That's actually my, that's really tricky right now. And I'm actually really, um, haven't totally found out how to walk that line yet. The, mm. the current head of school is leaving in a day and I know he hasn't told the faculty yet that layoffs could be a thing this fall. Mm. And I'm working with my, my board chair is somebody that I bounce ideas off of, but we've set July 15th as a deadline that as secure as we are in the budget, that's a part where we need to start communicating to people so that we're not letting them know in September that their job is at risk. Um, they, a couple of faculty have asked me and I've said, I've told them what is true, that I, I don't think I'll have to lay anybody off, but that our finances are really tight and that if I have to make hard decisions, I will. And yeah, it's really tricky right now that's actually something I'm nervous about. And I think that's mm. something that you don't have to do until you're the head of school. And I'm like right, all of a right. sudden feeling the weight of that responsibility. Does that shape when you look at the one year, two year out, how you're going to approach kind of balancing and managing your time in terms of marketing and fundraising as a head now? Yeah, it's actually really funny that the faculty know that the, um, the last head of school was I think a really great leader, but he was a really like boots on the ground, taking care of stuff, managing logistics, really operational, mm. but he wasn't, um, his greatest skill set wasn't necessarily strategic planning or long range planning. And so the faculty, part of the faculty were part of the head search. They were actually pretty engaged mm. with it, which was fantastic. So I got to start That's building great. those connections, yeah. but they all asked leading questions that were like, have you thought about instead of teaching a second PE class, working on marketing materials? Right. <laughs> so, 
So I think actually the faculty, it's, it's really awesome, but a couple of them are taking over more duties that the head of school used to do. Cause he actually, mm. he taught PE and he also like drove the bus and did a bunch mm. of things that weren't what you need to be doing. They're not again going to mm-hmm. move the school forward strategically. So the right. faculty, I think already identified that need and are mm. helping me carve out the time, which is awesome. So I'm really excited. We need a longer term with such a small school, the finances are so year to year. I almost feel like it's um, a young school. It's almost like being a person in your twenties when you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck and you Mm want to get into your thirties or forties where you have a savings account and a retirement plan. Mm -hmm. One of my goals is to get the school to where out of that early adult stage, if that makes any sense. I want to bring the school into middle age adulthood. You got a little bit of financial stability. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds really boring, but it would be nice if the school had deeper reserves, if the school had a like a better strategic plan for fundraising. Because right now, uh, their annual fund, their auction, it's all really year by year. There haven't been people with a lot of experience running it, and so they're ready for a more sophisticated approach to finance. And I'm excited about that, actually. Well, so last question, just thinking about you had mentioned how at your previous school, it, it was so draining. Um, and then yeah. but stepping into a head roll, as, as you just mentioned, yeah. it's, it's hit the ground running. So what have you yeah. uh, thought about or put in place to really protect what you need to take care of yourself in order to do the work that needs to get done mm-hmm. for the school? Um. A couple of different things. I think one of the biggest things is uh, the last few years, I've gotten a lot better at just setting boundaries when I need to. And I think telling people no on certain things, a lot of parents have already come to me um, or I have a board chair who's really engaged and I'm letting her be really engaged right now because of this crisis. Like it needs to be all hands on deck, but at some point I'll have to sort of reestablish what appropriate roles are. Mm -hmm. Um, But she keeps coming at me with different ideas, like, oh, we need to do this for marketing, or we should do this, which are really operational, which she Mm -hmm. shouldn't be recommending. And so I've just gotten really good at saying, that's such an awesome idea. And next year, after this crisis, when it's time to do our next strategic plan, I'll be so excited to explore that. Mm -hmm. And so not saying no. But, but filing away. Saying, <laughs> but saying that is going to be so great when we talk about that in 2022. I'm really excited right, right. about that. <laughs> and so there's been a lot of that. Mm-hmm, um, it's good to have that I kind of tagline also, in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay. I mean, right now we just have to get through the crisis. And I, I am excited to work on those long range things. But I think knowing how to prioritize knowing what really I need to be doing right now versus what needs to happen a year from now or what, you know, three to five year planning versus like, this is immediate and I have to address it. So I think there's been a lot of prioritizing. Um, Yeah. And I've also been trying to just carve out time. I think just in my personal life saying no to more things so that I have time to, to step back and, and decompress. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Terry, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I loved hearing about your journey. I wish you the best of luck this coming year. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate it.